Welcome to the Ethical Marketing Podcast, and it's good to be back. So first of all, an apology that's been so long between this podcast and the last one. Things just got in the way. We had a lot of work to do. Shan, Andrew, and myself were all absolutely flat out. They have been doing some incredibly interesting and exciting things. Please go to the ethicalhour.com website, have a look at the stuff they've been doing, and I'm hoping that they will be back soon to talk us through it. Tell us a bit more, because I think it'd be absolutely fascinating to some of the listeners of this podcast. Meanwhile, as it's just me, I had the chance recently to speak to Anne Coughlin from Scope 3, and I thought you might be interested in it. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks, Stuart. Thanks so much for having me. I thought for this, we would just have a bit of a chat about what you do, how you got to where you are, and a few things about ethical marketing. So I'll just start with obviously asking, can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into the industry? Absolutely. So I joined the tech industry a little over 10 years ago now. And my background was actually in maths and data and analytics. So before joining the, the world adjacent to marketers, I worked for system integrations, technical projects, and I really was honing my craft in consulting. And I think that's been kind of a thread of my career, the kind of consulting systems analytics mindset that helps people make data-driven decisions. And so in my career in ad tech, I started at a company called AppNexus, which is now Xander, part of Microsoft. Uh, and there I was really helping the buyers of uh, programmatic advertising to be better and more effective at what they were doing. And at Nexus, we had the, the goal and the mission to create a better internet. So to help power the advertising that powers the internet and create better map, uh, outcomes for, for ultimately for marketers and also for consumers as well, because, you know, uh, a free internet is important for democracy and consumers, you know, myself as a consumer, use the internet all the time. And so I want to make sure that it's a really good experience. And so from there, I moved into product and product strategy and really thinking about you know, what products should be built to further that goal and to help our clients achieve their outcomes. And then I actually left AdTech for a couple of years and started working with large mining companies. So companies who were buying and selling metal. Uh, and that's where I kind of got the bug a little bit about sustainability and how the thread comes all together as to what we're doing at Scope 3, which was really recognizing that you know, these, these large companies were taking raw materials and turning them into wire or turning them into kind of products that we're then using ultimately in our consumer goods. How can they be more sustainable in their business practices? That's kind of a, a hard problem. And quite a lot of the problem there was that there wasn't a lot of data in terms of the supply chain of these companies. Whereas in the ad tech world, we've got a lot of data. And actually, that's part of the problem. But it also means that the granularity of information that we have should be able to point to us creating a more sustainable ecosystem, as well as a more effective one. And so we founded Scope 3 a year and a half ago. And in doing that, created a company whose sole mission is to decarbonize media and advertising. And so we've been working very hard in the last 18 months to galvanize all players within that advertising ecosystem from brands and advertisers 
to publishers and all of the intermediaries in between to recognize that sustainable business practices and creating this ecosystem that has a lower carbon footprint, hopefully ultimately a decarbonized ecosystem, it can be good for business as well. Can you tell us a bit about your, your recent release of your State of Sustainable Advertising report? Yeah, so so what we do at Scope 3 is we really, we've built a model to actually understand the carbon footprint of digital advertising. And so what we were able to do in a recent report that we published in April, which we called the State of Sustainable Advertising Report, was actually for the first time to give estimates to the actual amount of metric tons of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gas equivalents that are being pumped into the atmosphere as a byproduct of digital media activity. And so I think this is something that's probably would have been a complete surprise to me when I joined the industry many years ago and actually is still kind of a a shocking fact when people start learning more about this subject in that programmatic advertising specifically is significant in the number of emissions that it it puts out. So our study showed that across five major economies, so we looked at the UK, France, Germany, Australia and the US, that there is the equivalent of 215,000 metric tons of carbon dioxide that goes into the atmosphere um, every month. That's 24 million gallons of petrol. So that's 36 Olympic-sized swimming pools of petrol if you were to put that in your car. That's a lot, right? I think what's been surprising to people as we've kind of gone on this journey with them and started this education process about sustainability and the problems of, of digital advertising is that digital sounds like there's no physical impact. You know, if I'm talking to you about mining companies and I'm saying, you know, they're taking, you know, copper out of the ground and then they're transporting it. You can imagine, you know, boats that are pumping out fuel. You can imagine the the trails of, I don't want to say smoke, but the trails of emissions in the air when you watch a plane go over. If I say to you, digital, you think that it's clean. I get these images of really pristine server rooms, you know, where there's not a speck of dust in those rooms. It looks really nice. It looks really clean. I mean, those servers are using a lot of electricity, not just to run and to whir and to do their computations, but also even just to cool them down because they get really, really hot. And so this is kind of the goal of our safe sustainability report was to really give some numbers and some context to the problem so that once people have that data, they can really understand, okay, what can I do about that now? Now that I have a kind of a stake in the ground as to what the problem is, how can we track that over time? And where do I fit in as a business into contributing to not the problem per se, but actually the solution and the reduction that we can drive together as an industry. So another thing that we found in this report was that we we defined specific pockets of inventory within the programmatic advertising ecosystem that we deemed climate risk. And so what we are saying there is that eliminating spend on these climate risk domains can actually significantly save carbon because these are by nature of the way that a lot of these websites are trying to monetize. They are not caring about the consumer. They are throwing as much tech on their websites as possible, which is causing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of servers globally to spin up and 
essentially suck out, use a lot of electricity and pump carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. And so by eliminating spend on this climate risk website, you can actually have an immediate and big impact because you're shifting advertising dollars to lower impact, lower carbon inventory. So really, in summary, the, the report that we, we gave was, was just to show that there's granular data there and there can be actionable insights that that can be put into into place really quickly. Although I knew that there was a cost, I hadn't realized it was quite such a big cost for social media advertising and, and general sort of pushing people towards things for digital. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if, if we talk about, you know, and myself as a, as a consumer and as a, as a human, if I'm thinking about how I reduce my own personal carbon footprint before thinking about this issue a few years ago, I'd have said to you, you know, I'm trying to walk more. I'm trying to fly less. I'll get the train. I would never have said to you, I'm going to reduce my the hours I spend on Instagram. It just wouldn't have occurred to me. I wouldn't have made that connection between the, the energy consumption that's so vast in powering the internet. It's about 4% of 2 to 4% globally of emissions and electricity use is, is one of the areas that's really you know, driving the, the amount of carbon going into the atmosphere. I just would never have thought about it. No, I'm the same. We always think that doing digital is, is easier on the environment than putting paper advertising up, but probably dependent on how long that advertising up is up for, it, that might not be the case. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a, a sustainability report by Axel Springer, which is a large, a really large publishing company. They own Build and Business Insider. And Build, I think, is the largest red tabloid in Europe. Um, and the numbers for on a kind of per dollar spend basis between print and digital was something like, 48 metric tons for digital and like 60 for print. So it's not orders of magnitude different, right? It's, it's, you're kind of in the same ballpark. And again, it's just that realization that digital doesn't mean there's no physical impact in the real world as much as we'd potentially like it to have. Have you got any kind of advice beyond what you've said for sort of small companies, maybe companies look to be a bit more ethical who are maybe hearing this for the first time? Yeah. So I think. The two things when companies hear this for the first time, one is, oh gosh, I've only been thinking about my performance marketing as like, is it effective? Like, what is my ROI here? You know, am I trying to drive towards acquisition? Now you're telling me that I also need to think about reducing my carbon emissions while I'm doing that. Is that going to be a problem? So what we've seen, we've recently launched a product called Climate Shield, which is available in multiple DSPs. So multiple buying platforms where you can buy programmatic advertising, which automatically turns off that climate risk supply that I was talking about that actually shifts budget automatically then towards anything that's not climate risk. And that can be something that not only... Uh, automatically reduces emissions, but actually sees improvement in performance. So I think the the worry about performance being hit is actually kind of the opposite because so many there's so many parallels between inventory that is bad for the environment and inventory that's just bad in other ways, right? Inflated metrics, potentially even stuff that's fraudulent. And so actually there is a a kind of sustainability is like a, a good wedge into doing all the things that you're already doing in your day-to-day from a marketing perspective about trying to drive that ROI. So I think kind of first thoughts and advice would be 
getting a baseline understanding can definitely help there as scope three and then finding easy actionable ways that actually drive reduction and can do that in a in a quick and turnkey way oh is there any when you were doing your research did you find any companies that were doing quite well this that had realized this and were, were acting on it yeah, I mean, we so we ran with a with the World Federation of Advertisers a few pilots with five of their top brands. So you know, really large companies like Mastercard, Sanofi, Reckitt, Philips, and Diageo. And what we saw was that one of those companies actually, in kind of giving them a baseline of where they were, they were actually already significantly below the average benchmark for a given country. And so they were already by layering in lots of best practices in terms of what good effective media buying looks like, were already essentially taking into consideration carbon emissions without realizing it. What was cool there, although it was working with us, they could actually reduce even further their carbon emissions without having an impact of performance. So I think on the on the brand side, what I see is that companies that already have this purpose-driven agenda about you know, making sure that that they are doing kind of their products are providing goodness in in society, whatever that whatever that may be, will probably have media plans that are already starting to align with the carbon reduction. And then this is almost just an accelerant to kind of help connect the dots between all of the areas where marketers are trying to be more effective and, and reduce waste. So we're seeing a lot of news at the moment about greenwashing and obviously I'm guessing that carbon is a big part of that. Carbon emissions are becoming certainly a big part of that as net zero becomes more and more a buzzword within not just this industry, but I think all industries at the moment. So are you finding that companies are starting to kind of carbon wash, I suppose, as part of that? Yeah, so I think it's it's a great question. And I think it's something that we've seen quite a bit in terms of wanting to or not wanting to even share learnings within the marketing community. Like, hey, I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to, I've I've come across this best practice and I'm trying to implement that. How can I share that without receiving a backlash by saying, oh, you're doing this, but you're ignoring the other five things that you should be doing in your business. We talk a little bit at Scope 3 about this idea of green working. So I think for me, there's a little bit of what marketing is really, really good at is cutting through to the 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 tagline or the buzzword or that you know final targeted key thing that sticks in your brain right that's what a good marketing campaign does and i think where we need to be careful in the especially in the climate environment is that there is nuance so saying we are carbon neutral asterisk for a portion of our business is obviously much less impactful from a marketing perspective. But what we're seeing now is a lot more regulation coming in from the point of view of having to report on your emissions in the same way that you have to report on your financial statements. And I think the difference there is that, you know, the financial accounting systems have been in place for a hundred years, whereas the carbon accounting system and things like the greenhouse gas protocol, which kind of helps set a framework for that, have only been around for 20 years. Lots of things are optional. And so it's easier to not notice or even see the, see the nuance there. And so I think companies will need to be um, starting to look at 
disclosing in a in a non-nuanced with lots of nuance but in a a non-summarized way should i say so in europe there's the corporate sustainability reporting directive which comes into effect at the beginning of 2024 which means that larger companies and there's lots of you know criteria that mean which companies need to do this actually submit this information and then i think from a consumer perspective, which I think is where you're kind of going with the the greenwashing question. I think there is a responsibility of the marketer to make sure that they're educating the consumer about what this means without purely using this as a selling point. I think, and maybe this is just the circle that I live in and the fact that, you know, the kind of goods and stuff that I search for online, like sustainable handbag or whatever that is, if, you know, consumers are smart. And at some point, if everything is carbon neutral, maybe nothing is carbon neutral. We know that ultimately the, the arbiter of what we're talking about here is the atmosphere. And you can't really lie about the you know, amount of carbon dioxide that's being measured in the atmosphere. We just know that there's a reporting gap of like 40% between what companies disclose and what is actually happening in the in the air. And so yeah, I think it's greenwashing. There needs to be, and there is going to be kind of regulation around that. And we just have to be aware that marketing can't be too good to have nuance and, and make sure that that's part of the, the discourse. Last time we did one of these interviews, it was with the Institute of Advertising Ethics. And one of the things they said was that they thought that the UK and Europe were in some ways ahead of America and in some ways behind it. It very much depended on like what nuance you were talking about. Is that kind of the same here, do you think, or is it a worldwide movement needed or are some places doing better than others? I think I think that's a really good observation. I wouldn't, of course, if the Institute of Advertising Ethics, they would have those sorts of good good insights in France, right? There, I think they're further ahead than everyone. The, you know, even something like a car advert now in France has similar to in the UK where you have labeling on cigarette packets. The legislation in France says that if you're if you've got a car ad, it has to say, you know, walk short journeys or carpool if necessary. So they're really focusing on the advertising impact of creating, trying to push essentially society towards a more circular or a, a, a lower carbon, ultimately, and, you know, a, a regenerative economy. And so I think France also has already put in place guidelines and I think coming towards legislation around terms like carbon neutral and net zero that can be used. The ASA is doing similarly in the UK. And so I think that certainly we're a bit further ahead in Europe on some of these matters. But usually the the US in some legislation forms are, are not far behind. Away from marketing, are there any other sort of industries you think that are getting this right that marketing can kind of look at and go, do you know what? They're they're realizing that we need to pay more attention to this kind of thing and we could learn from. So I think, again, this ties back to digital versus physical. And I think that there has been significant recognition in production, in production in terms of production and manufacturing of where emissions are coming from and the complexity of a supply chain. I think actually, I'm going to kind of change your question slightly if I can. I think that the thing that's, that's good about this industry is that we can move quite quickly compared to, you know, if we're talking about the chemicals industry, like if you're doing science and you're 
creating chemical reactions between things and a byproduct of that is a greenhouse gas. There's not much you can do about that aside from reduce that, maybe do you know research and development into alternatives there. Whereas in this industry, we're really talking about the focus on reducing wastage, reducing things that we don't need anyway, and focusing on where we should actually be generating energy. And so I think in our industry, we can look to others as, to, as ways of you know, defining and, and working out what we should be looking at from a supply chain perspective. But our industry is the one that I think it can be a little bit of a blueprint of how to decarbonize quickly. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. We can Things can move very quickly within marketing industry. Yes. If there was one thing you could change, you think that would make an instant change to the industry that would move things forward, what would it be? Wow, that's a great question. And sadly, I I only get to pick one thing. Well, you can pick a few. You can go with whatever you think would work. I think one thing actually is when we think about what it means to be an effective marketer, I think sometimes there's so much data and there's so many proxy metrics that we can use. We lose sight of the effectiveness. And actually, it's kind of like two sides of the same coin here, where if we focus on what actually matters, which is advertiser dollars, funding good quality publishing content and reaching the consumer with, you know, educative and hopefully buying the right goods messaging that could actually also, you know, tie together nicely with driving carbon reduction. So I think one thing I would change about our industry would almost just be yeah, taking a step back and, and recognizing, you know, which metrics and, and what we were actually measuring here. Marketing often has quite a bad reputation and it's something that it, it's an interesting one. People often look at marketing as a hard selling thing, which good marketing shouldn't be. But I think sometimes that mistake comes up. Is there something happening within the industry now that would give you hope, though, that we are still on the right path? Yeah. So I think as we move towards trying to create a more regenerative economy and a economy that can survive and thrive with these net zero aspirations that we have there is a an onus on the marketer to help define and drive consumer change within that and so what i see from from my my chair as a as a consumer and not just focusing on carbon reduction for a second is that there are a lot of innovative new companies as well as large companies that are shifting towards educating the consumer and also educating internally themselves as a company what it means to exist in that paradigm. And is that buying less stuff that's more that has more quality, that has more longevity, that will enable everyone to kind of live better into the future. So, you know, there, there are so many examples. I'm not going to use the Patagonia example because it's the best one and that everyone goes towards straight away. But even somewhere like Levi's, who are looking at, you know, th their history and their origins of really high quality jeans and saying, okay, this is something that I want to, you know, I'm going to, to kind of 
take into my marketing campaign and talk to the consumer about, you know, washing my clothing less or, you know, doing something like that. And I think that there are there is hope there that certainly the younger generation are really focusing on what it means to buy a brand and having that integrity and authenticity as a brand is really critical. Now, because a lot of new people coming into the industry have ethics built in in a way that some of the older people don't in that they don't want to work for companies that they see as greenwashing. They don't want to be part of a cover up or part of something that they don't agree with ethically. So it feels like there is definitely a change coming from within the industry as people come into it over the expectations of the job in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's absolutely right. And you see that with new challenger brands that are, you know, I think Tony's Chocoloni is an amazing example of having that, that ethics at the core of their brand. Not, it, not only is the chocolate absolutely delicious, um, you know, they've, they've recently announced that they're going to have a golden ticket shareholder to make sure that they always adhere to the mission of their company. And I love the idea of these new kind of companies. And even if it's not a brand directly, but even at Scope 3, we have, you know, essentially the environment has kind of a seat on our board. That's how I describe ourselves as a public benefit corporation, though we're for profit, is the mission and the purpose of the company has to really align to, to everything that you do as a business. So what's next on the horizon for, for you guys? What have you got planned? So continuing to decarbonize, to work with players across the ecosystem and to drive real change. So we are going to be publishing our state of sustainability report really regularly to kind of track what we're seeing within the ecosystem. And hopefully we'll start to see real, real shifts and real systemic reduction. I think what's exciting here is that when one company makes a change, actually because it's a supply chain, it impacts across the ecosystem. Do you have a favorite ethical campaign, a marketing campaign or so? It doesn't have to be directly ethical, but it's something that has that ethical bent from the past that's maybe influenced you or that you've just looked at and thought, oh, do you know what? I wish I'd thought of that. Yeah, it's a great one. I think I've just talked about Tony's Chocoloni. I think that their kind of ethical marketing campaign is ingrained in the product itself, with like, which I love, which is the, the chocolate bar that is essentially in uneven and unequal parts. And so that's kind of really something that is almost like a campaign within the product itself to reflect their mission and the parts of the ecosystem. I haven't tried Tony's Chocolony yet, but we've written a couple of pieces on them just because, again, because of the really nice marketing. So I'll, I'll put it on the list. The one in the orange packet is delicious. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's the orange packet is the one that I would go for. Right. That's the one we will look for. Over the last sort of little while, is there anything else you've been enjoying? Doesn't have to be marketing, you know, books, podcasts, TV shows, anything that you could recommend to people? Yeah, so I am a avid podcast listener. And something that I've been listening to for years now, actually, is a an economics podcast. But it's by David McWilliams, who is an Irish economist. And it's also very funny because... Is two Irish guys from Dublin having a bit of crack. And so for me as a, you know, Irish by heritage, kind of enjoy it. And for someone who, you know, I'm from London, I'm a Londoner, it's, it's nice to see observations of the UK from Ireland. And so that's always very fun. So yeah, the David McWilliams podcast is something that I listen to every week. Thank you very much. I didn't really understand how carbon intensive marketing, you're right. I think you look at a digital thing and you think, well, that's fine. That's 
that's not harming anyone. It's just one of those things you're putting out, out there and it's not a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to see the same with AI as a part of this. That's going to drive up the carbon as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's something that we're kind of keeping an eye on as well. Thanks so much, Anne. That was absolutely fascinating. And thank you for listening to the podcast. And we will be back soon. If there's anything you'd like to hear us talking about, anything that maybe affects you or your company that you think falls into this ethical marketing sphere, please email us at podcast.ethicalmarketingnews. We'd be happy to have a look at it, have a chat about it. And who knows, maybe whatever you decide will be the next topic of the next podcast. Thanks again, and we will see you soon. This podcast was edited by Stuart Mitchell. The music was by Joe McCafferty. We look forward to seeing you for the next podcast. Podcast.